Hey, good morning, everyone. This is Joe Renoro, and welcome back to the Rat Race Liberation Podcast. This concept that I'm going to be talking about today is an interesting one um, specifically to me because I feel like, and I'm sure I'm going to feel this way for the next 30, 40 years, 50 years, however long I'm, I'm blessed with being on this earth and, and continuing to move down this path towards uh, entrepreneurship and, and business um, ownership and building and investing opportunities and all that. But, um, I, I guess it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, and again, I'm, I'm very aware I'm what, eight or nine months into this journey now. Um, so, you know, by no stretch of the imagination, a long time so far, but it's, it's always interesting to me to absorb some new information and then think I've got a handle on a core topic or idea, and then to completely find out that that's just not the case. Um, and that happened to me a, a couple different times recently, one of them through the uh, Retire Young, Retire Rich book from Rich Dad, and the other one coming through one of the new books that I'm listening to, which is from the Rich Dad company, but it's actually a, um, it's a conglomerate text of, I, I want to say, I, I'm not really sure, I haven't gone through the whole book yet, but somewhere between 15 and 20 really highly skilled professionals in different areas of real estate and investing and, and tax law and, and all of that. And basically, Robert Kiyosaki is the glue that holds the whole book together. Uh, he does introductions in the book for all of these individuals, and then you hear about their credentials, and then they go on and they've written their own chapters each uh, professionals written their own chapter in this as it pertains to their specialized uh, subsection of whatever field they work in, whether they're uh, accountants or or lawyers in a specific field, or they invest in real estate, or they're part of property management, or whatever the case may be. So it's it's a nice conglomerate, holistic look at a whole bunch of different specialized categories that Robert deals a lot with. And so I, I thought this would be a really interesting way to get some more technical understanding of, of real estate in general and some more next level or, you know, in this case, several la layers down of, of information um, aside from just the surface level stuff that I've been dealing with so far that I've been talking with you guys about. And so uh, one of the concepts that came out of that book was if you recall you've been listening to this podcast, I discussed how I wanted to structure my companies, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes now ago, something like that. And at the time, it's, it's what I thought I, I wanted. But simultaneously, in my gut, I knew I wasn't 100% ready yet to take this to a lawyer and start getting things hashed out. Because it was just, it was an evolving idea, if you will. Um, I knew that I wanted to structure multiple entities, and I thought at the moment that I had the best idea for how to go about it. Again, and, and if you recall in those episodes, I even prefaced it with, so long as the lawyer that I go to talk to doesn't make other recommendations. But without even having to go to that lawyer yet, I'm already discovering new things that would have been incorrect. And one of them was that in one of, I don't know if it was Robert's book or where I heard it, but, you know, it discussed holding companies and the idea of trying to shelter your other entities from as much 
outside recourse, I guess, as possible. Um, you know, I, I live in the United States, as uh, I'm sure many of you listeners do. And, uh, and for those of you that don't, I'm sure other countries have similar things. But the United States is insanely overpopulated with individuals who think that their way to get rich quick is to sue other people who have worked hard for years. Um, and for whatever reason, uh, filing lawsuits is the way of life around here now. I don't know what the hell it is about that. I'm not really sure why all of these people think they're entitled to everybody else's hard-earned money. And I'm not saying anything against real lawsuits. I'm talking about those frivolous ambulance-chasing douchebags who are out there just trying to steal hard-working people's money uh, because it's easier than going out and doing the right thing for themselves year in and year out. So anyway, I, I thought that the structure that I had outlined was going to be, um, you know, again, in my very basic understanding of it, uh, a, a good outline and structure for the companies. I, ha I want to have a real estate company um, that holds real estate assets because I want to invest in real estate long term. And I thought that uh, an LLC that flowed into a C-Corp as a holding company was going to be a great idea. And uh, I'm only on the third or fourth chapter, so third or fourth professional who's writing these chapters in this Rich Dad book. Uh, and come to find out that he's got a ton of experience in this type and area of entity structuring and, and law surrounding real estate. And apparently a C corporation is a horrible idea for holding real estate. And he goes into some uh, reasons for why it is, but, and all of them make complete sense, even at the surface level. And I don't understand all of the, the legal aspects of it, but uh, basically the the tax incentives for a C-Corp when it comes to a business do not really roll over in the same fashion for real estate. Double taxation on the real estate game will actually really, really hurt you in that scenario. And that's something I, I wasn't aware of. So it's just, it's really interesting to me how much you can think you're on the right path in this whole game of business. And then just, you know, in a split second, understand that you didn't know what the hell you were talking about. Uh, I mean, and and again, all of this is said with the whole idea and concept behind it, that it's just you're growing your financial IQ. So I like it doesn't deject me. I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed. I, I, I don't feel bad that I thought that the other way was the right way to go. It was based off of the best information that I had acquired at the time. My financial IQ several months ago was lower than it is today because I've continued to push and make sure that I'm constantly absorbing new information. Um, and, and so there, there's nothing to be ashamed or embarrassed about, but it goes to my previous podcast points, which is you need to run down this entire journey, uh, making decisions, but then pivoting when you have better information available to you. Do the most due diligence you can up front. Don't get analysis paralysis. Make an informed decision. And then if you find out your decision was wrong, well, great. Make some new decisions, make some new changes, and run forward that way until you acquire some new information and you increase your financial IQ even further. And, uh, and you discover that you didn't have it right then or there either. Or maybe you had it right for the scenario you were in, but now your financial IQ has grown so much that you're ready to take that next step into the next level of investing in whatever niche you've decided to go through. 
Um, case in point, uh, starting with single family homes for rent in real estate. And then, uh, you know, once you get your feet wet in that and you feel very comfortable and it becomes second nature to you, maybe you want to gravitate towards multifamily homes or, uh, or duplexes, apartment complexes, whatever the case may be. Maybe you want to move on to large scale apartment complexes after you go to the small to medium range ones. And every single time you take that step, some of the information that worked for you on the previous level isn't going to work for you on that new level. There's new rules and, and objectives to the game of business at that, in that sense. So um, don't ever feel embarrassed or dejected or, or stupid or whatever the case may be for, for making informed decisions and, and making decisions to act. Um, you're, you're way ahead of the game. Most people go through life taking the easy road. So if you are putting yourself in an uncomfortable position where you don't have all the answers, but you're doing the best that you can, making some decisions and taking some action based on those decisions, good for you. You're ahead of the curve. And you're, even if you make mistakes, you're going to learn from those mistakes and your IQ is going to grow that much more in the future. So there really is no downside to it as long as you're doing as much due diligence as you can to make the best informed decisions that you can. Uh, and you're doing it in a responsible way that doesn't cripple you financially. I mean, unfortunately, in this game of entrepreneurship and business development, uh, that is always, that's always a, a possibility, uh, especially if you overextend yourself in areas where you shouldn't, or sometimes even when you overextend yourself in areas where you think you're a sure thing, things can, things can change in an instant. So, but as long as you learn from them, you can rebuild, you can come back better, smarter, faster, stronger, and, and make better informed decisions moving forward and, uh, and hopefully see your financial situation improve that much faster. Um, the other aspect of things that, that I thought was really interesting because if you're, if you're an average investor, you know, not somebody who hasn't been putting nothing away this whole time, but if you are somebody who has listens to the general, what's available to most people in the media coverage and everything else, um, you know, what you're taught to do is diversify and invest for the long haul, right? Mutual funds and all of that. Uh, and what came about in Robert's Sorry, I, I'm hoping you guys can hear me. I'm going through a little bit of a rainstorm here, a little little after kicks from, from the hurricane. Um, Robert, in his Retire Young, Retire Rich book, I, I guess it was, his, I'm assuming it was his rich dad. I don't recall at the moment, but I would have to imagine it was his rich dad who was telling him this. And uh, this one kind of was interesting and shook me up a little bit, not in the sense that he hadn't already kind of been hinting at this, but just to hear it so plainly was a really interesting thing to to take in and, and kind of think on. And what he said was averages are for average investors. So mutual funds, which the end game here is to diversify in a ton of different stocks to hedge your bet a hundred different ways and uh, hopefully see gains because of it, but marginally slower gains as opposed to if you specialized in one particular uh, asset investment, right? Robert goes into it in a bunch of different ways, attacking this statement that averages are for average investors. I shouldn't say attacking, he's agreeing with it and he's showing you all the reasons why that proves to be true. But what, what he gets at, um, and 
you know, Robert, if you ever hear this, forgive me if, uh, if I'm not interpreting this correctly, but what he's getting at is that average investors worry about the averages. They base their investing strategies on the averages. They're trying to hold close to those averages and make decisions based on things that they don't really have to do a whole lot of research for, if that makes sense. You know, you look at a graph real quick and see the average is going up. Okay, well, I'm going to invest in that because that's what the averages are telling me. Whereas sophisticated investors are doing a lot more than the surface level analysis, looking at that main basic graph that somebody on, uh, on the financial channel can throw up for you real quick and tell you to invest in this mutual fund. You know, uh, they are sophisticated investors are, are actively working towards doing things that average investors aren't even thinking about. They're looking at different trends, but not in the sense that the law of average, this is going up or this is trending down. They're looking at different, deeper trends in the market to try and anticipate moves. They're not really looking at mutual funds. They're looking at specific industries, maybe, and stocks within those industries. Maybe they're not touching stocks, or if they are, maybe they're employing things like options. Um, they're, they're working actively towards being able to make money when the averages are trending up in the stock market and when they're trending down. So averages are for average investors. And, and that one I've been really trying to hone in on and, and let that settle within me because the statement itself makes perfect sense. And, and if you'll bear with me for a second and I can get through this whole thought, it's kind of counterintuitive to a lot of things that I've learned up front before, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki and Russell Brunson came into my life. Um, this is kind of counterintuitive to what you see and hear all day long if you're listening to any sort of financial news or anything like that. You're bombarded with with opportunities and, um, and counseling for mutual funds and diversify and invest for the long term. And all of these things are geared towards average investors. And what, when I mean it's counterintuitive, um, you know, if you recall, I've talked about the financial plans you have to have, and I, I want to plan for being rich, but that means that I have to pay the price for being secure first, and then I have to be comfortable, and then I have to pay the price to be rich. And so part of the plan for being secure and, and for being comfortable, um, obviously they build on one another, is that I have to diversify to a certain extent. I have to invest in mutual funds. I have to invest in certain things at my 401k up to a certain amount, um, at least to take advantage of the company match. So there are things that I'm currently doing now that go against Robert's long-term teachings if your end result is a financial plan to be rich. Um, and I have to balance the two, make decisions now up front to to lock in and eventually achieve my financial plan of being secure, which will then allow me to achieve my financial plan of being comfortable. And then from there, then I need to basically switch up my plans and, uh, and make sure that my financial plan for being rich doesn't allow me to worry about averages because you're not an average investor if your financial plan is, is to be rich long term. So. I, I hope that helps. Um, I, I hope it, at the very least, if you guys take away anything, even if those two specific examples weren't useful to you, I hope it at least gives you guys some idea that no matter how long you're on this journey, 
you're eventually going to find some information that, that you didn't know before that may require you to, to switch up your overall strategy or to approach specific specific situations in a way that you wouldn't have approached previously. So I hope that that settles within you at least that core concept and idea that uh, you always need to be ready and willing to switch up strategies as new information becomes available to you. Don't get locked in on one specific thing. Don't put your head in the sand um, and, and ignore everything else. Continue to grow your financial IQ, continue to absorb new information, and continue when required, when it makes sense to do some more due diligence and pivot from your current strategy towards more informed ones as your financial IQ grows. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Appreciate you as always, and I will touch base with you tomorrow.